Welcome to the Learn Live Gula podcast, where you will receive inspiration from talented women educators from around the globe. Thanks for joining. Good morning and welcome to Sichas Online. We are focusing today on Parshas Pinchas in Sefer Sichas, Tuf Shin Nur Aleph, and it is the beginning of the Sicha is on page 695. We will not be going inside, uh, but we will be doing it more verbally. And I hope you enjoy this Sicha. I enjoyed it very much. My name is Goldie Plotkin, and I am thrilled to be learning Parshas Pinchas with you. A very, very practical Sicha, of course, and very appropriate for us today, as we are now I am preparing this on Shiva Subhatamas, and our eyes and our thoughts and our hopes are all about Geula, redemption, hoping that we will finally come to the end of the Skullis. We are also now struggling with what's happening in Surfside, and our Tfilas are with all the people there, and hoping and praying that we have positive news, we have Betachan that it will turn out okay, but even more so, we have to cry out for the Abishter to send us Mashiach. I'm going to start off with a story that took place a few years ago, just to be able to bring home to you what this Sicha is about. Because the Sicha in general is about making here Eretz Yisrael. A fellow came over to the Tzemach Tzedek and said to him, he wants to move to Eretz Yisrael. And the Rebbe said to him, Mach da Eretz Yisrael. And we have heard this many, many times from the Rebbe and different Fabrengans. And the Rebbe alludes to it very strongly here as well in this Sicha. The story I am about to tell you took place here in Toronto. We are in Schlichus in Markham, Ontario. And we had a little boy by the name of Barashner Zalman, known affectionately as Zalmi. Zalmi was born with Down syndrome. And this story took place a couple of years ago when I was uh, in the middle of making a wedding for my daughter. It was the night of Sheva Brachas. And we were all getting ready for the Sheva Brachas, getting dressed, you know, you have to get things ready. And Zalmi was really unhappy. He was misbehaving. He felt ignored. He was about 10 years old at the time. I would say, you know, maybe about 12 and he was just making everyone really, really upset because we wanted to take care of him, but we were getting ready for this Sheva Ruchas. So I said to one of my children, you know, maybe take Zalmi with the babysitter to one of the playgrounds he loves to go to. And we'll pick him up right before we have to go. Great idea. One of my kids took the babysitter and him, packed him up a package of treats and took him to the playground. About an hour and a half later, we are ready to get into the car and we realize, oh no, <laughs> Zalmi's still at the playground. So I said to my husband, you know, do you mind running over, picking up Zalmi and bringing him home? Which of course my husband was happy to do. Now, there were two playgrounds Zalmi enjoyed going to. One was a indoor playground that you put in money in slots and he could play different, you know, he could play hockey and basketball, different activities. The other one was more of a gym place where he goes up and down the slide and he loves that as well. The second one, the slide place, is in a Burger King. So my husband just thought that was the place where he was dropped off and he was already on the way. And when we would take the babysitter there, she would take Zami through this 
restaurant, um, <laughs> the Burger King, and he would play there and they would, we would call the babysitter on the phone so that she would bring him out and they would come back into the car. And as my husband goes there, assuming that's where Zalmi is, he gets there and realizes he doesn't have the phone and there's no way that he's walking into that Burger King. He doesn't know what to do. So he goes to the side where there are big glass windows. Many of you might be familiar with this if you ever passed by. And he peers inside looking for the babysitter and for Zami, but he doesn't see anyone. Now to go home and to get the phone would waste another 20 minutes. He decides he's just going to push his black hat over his face and just sort of sneak through so nobody will notice him there. And as he steps his foot into Burger King, he hears a loud voice. Oh my gosh, Rabbi Plotkin, what are you doing here? He looks around very, very, very embarrassed and he sees Nikki. Nikki is a young woman, a mother of a few children. She was a teenager in our community. Her mother was very, very close to us and he was becoming a Balas Chuva and Nikki was not happy and she rebelled. She rebelled. She married a Greek Orthodox non-Jew. And no matter how much we begged and implored and pleaded with her to drop him and come back, she was in that uh, young adulthood where she was very angry at her mother. She was baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church and really cut herself off from her mother and our community. She had a few children and raised them as non-Jews. And this was Nikki many years later, sitting in Burger King. She looks up and she says to my husband, what are you doing here? And my husband has the same question. What is he doing here? And he sees Nikki there with her children. And Nikki says to him, Rabbi Plotkin, you will not believe it. But I am sitting here. I know it's before Passover. And I'm looking at my children who don't even know they're Jewish. They are so unaffiliated with the Jewish people. They are connected only to this church. And I'm looking up to my mother who had passed away recently. And I say, Mom, if you think I have a way back into the Jewish field, in the Jewish fold, into the Jewish community, please send me a sign. And she goes, and it's not two minutes later that I look up and there you are. This Nikki has become an active and vibrant part of our community. She is no longer married to this non-Jew. Her oldest son, who had a bris a few years ago, is on his way to Mayanat and looking forward to becoming a shliach. Her daughter is joining Seating Extreme in Mitzvah this year, all because of something that we're going to learn about in this week's Sicha, in Pinchas. So in this week's Parsha, we talk about that the goyrols that were made for the Jewish people to discern which was their portion in the land. And this was done by a lottery, by a goyrol. And this way, the goyrol would let every shavit know which was their land, which was their inheritance. And there would be no confusion because it was very clear. What was the clarity? So Rashi tells us two things. First of all, they made a goyrol. And the goyrol would prove to them which land was for which shavit. 
And there was also the help, the assistance of Elazar HaKayin. Through the Orem V'tumim, he was able to prove which was the land specifically for every Shevik. So it took away any unknown. It was very, very clear. But Rashi says something very interesting. That the Yidin didn't rely only on Elazar HaKayin on the Orem V'tumim. But actually, the Goyrul spoke. Rashi says, That the Goyrul actually spoke. But the question is always asked, why would the to make a ness if it was unnecessary? We know that they were able to rely on Elazar HaKayin on the Orem V'tumim. So why was it necessary for the Abishter to make a miracle that the Goyrul actually spoke. We know the Abishter does make a ness for nothing. There has to be a very, very strong reason for the Abishter to make a miracle. So why would the Abishter find it necessary to make this miracle that a Goyrul was speaking? Just so that the Yidden would know which was their chalik in Eretz Yisrael? Wasn't Ruach HaKadosh enough? So I want to turn to you now to the the Sicha here in this chalik in Sefer HaSichas. Again, in Tav Shinun Aleph. We're going to learn something from the Rugged Shavar, which the Rebbe quotes here. And the Rugged Shavar says like this, that everything that is mekaven in a mitzvah is a mitzvah in itself. Hakol bekavana mekaven la mitzvah. That everything that is part of a mitzvah, even the preparation of it, is in itself a mitzvah. Now, for example, I was speaking to the women the Shabbos in my shul, and I don't know if you know in Toronto there's a still a lockdown. <laughs> we still have a lot, a lot of things that have been put into place by the government. And slowly, slowly, we're opening up the shul. We're allowed to have 15% in shul on Shabbos. So I said to the women, yesterday was raining, and many of you came to shul. Many. I mean, much less than usual, but Baruch Hashem, they're starting to come back. And I said to them, you came in the rain, you came in the heat, you came in the lockdown. We're still wearing masks. Many of you are very, very confused. Should you be in shul? Is it appropriate? Are you putting yourself in? in a place of danger. So you should know that the Rebbe tells us that even just the walking to Shul, the preparation of walking into Shul is in itself a mitzvah. And the Rebbe Chavar alludes to this by giving an example of the mitzvah of the Avaida of Karbanas. And the Rebbe Chavar says like this, every step of their kabbanis, the entire avodah, you had to have absolute kavana. And if one of these steps was missing the kavana, whether you ate it without kavana or you were thinking about something else while you were doing it, then the whole thing was puzzle. So there were four steps, for example, for the kabbanis. There was the shechita, the slaughter. There was the kabbalah, the catching of the blood. Then there was the halacha, the carrying of the blood to the mizbeach, and then there was the zrika, 
the spritzing of the blood on the Mizbeach. So you would think to yourself, what's the big deal about the carrying? I'm just, the really, the most important part was the slaughtering and getting the blood and bringing the blood to the Mizbeach. So while I'm walking towards the Mizbeach, do I have to be thinking about it? Do I have to have mindfulness on this? So what does the Raga Trevor said? He says, it is compulsory. It is imperative because this is part of the Vaita itself. And then the Rebbe brings down an experience with the Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab uses this whole idea. He was speaking to the Bachram. His Hasidim were getting ready for the Mimer and they were singing the Hachananigan. But they were rushing the Hachananigan. Why? Because they wanted to already hear the Hasidus. So they were singing the Hachananigan very, very quick. So the Rebbe Rashab says to them, why are you rushing through the nigan? Every single part of the nigan is part of the mimer. And if you rush the nigan, you really won't be able to internalize and to appreciate and experience the mimer. And the Rebbe Rashab says two reasons. Number one, the Rebbe Rashab speaks about something very important. It's a beautiful word that I love. It's the term called a primi. The Rebbe says, you need to be a primi. You need to be a person that is completely immersed in what you are doing. Today, the buzzword is being mindful. But this word came many, 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 many generations ago. It's a Yiddish expression. It's a Yiddish idea about being a primi, being really immersed in what you're doing. And the Rebbe says, if you are primi, then the hakdama of the mimer will allow you to learn the mimer properly. And this is what we are referring to when we speak about the idea of the gyrol. The gyrol wasn't just, oh, just an easy way of finding out which chalik belonged to which yid. But the gyrol was part of the process of getting the mitzvah done. And the Eberster is showing this to us by saying, the preparation of the mitzvah is so important that I'm even going to make a ness. I'm going to make the goyrel speak. It's not enough that the Elazar HaKayin was able to prove it to you through the Urim V'Tumim, through the Ruch HaKadosh. No, the actual goyrel itself, which was maybe just to you and I seem like a prep for the mitzvah, which was giving everyone their nachala. No, no, no. The Abisha says, the gyrul itself is a mitzvah. That you have to realize that the preparation for the mitzvah itself is important. And a pnimi focuses on the prep. And this is such an important part of us as chassidim. The Rebbe always speaks about that, that the three garments, right? The three levushim of machshavadi b'maiser, have to be in part of every single action that we do. And that when the chassid came to the Tzemach Tzedek and he said, I want to move to Eretz Yisrael, then Tzemach Tzedek said to him, Mach da Eretz Yisrael. Make here Eretz Yisrael. But wait, isn't it all about Geula? Isn't it all about being an Eretz Yisrael, isn't that what it's all about? Right? Aren't we supposed to focus all about 
what it's going to be like when Mashiach comes. So what's the Rebbe saying? The Rebbe's talking with make do Eretz Yisrael. Make here Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because this place is where you are here now. The Hashgacha Pratis right now of your space is where you have to make Mashiach. If you are a chassid who is in business, you're the Zavulan. Get involved in your space. It might mean supporting a shliach, supporting a shul, supporting a beisakneses. That's your space right now. That's your machter Yisrael. And if you are Yisachar and you're studying and, and learning and you're in shlicha, so you're a rav or you're a rebbe, make that place Eretz Yisrael. Wherever you go has to be Eretz Yisrael. And by doing that, that is the impetus for actually for the Geula. This itself will be the Geula. So what does it mean making the Eretz Yisrael? It means the Avoide is do. What does it mean Eretz Yisrael? It means being a Pnimi. That right here where you are, that's your Avoide. And number three, this itself, by doing these two steps, will hasten the Geula. By making every day a Geula digatog, that is what brings the Geula here now. So just like the Goro was speaking, because the Abishter wanted the Dibor, so what is our job now? It's not a job enough that we have Machshava, that we're thinking about Geula. We have to have Dibor. And the Rebbe alludes in this Sikha very clearly that each one of us with our neighbors and our friends and our family, we have to talk about Geula with passion, with purpose, with meaning, making it real, making it primi. Not just singing We Want Mashiach Now and clapping and singing We Want Mashiach Now and going off to our, you know, our activity, but really belie- believing it. And the Rebbe says, Words that are spoken with your heart will penetrate your heart. And by being a dugmachaya, and by listening and learning and speaking through our machshavadibamaisa, through our pnimi, we will take our position here today and making machta eretzistral, and especially now that we are already up to Shabbos Mavarchim of. And the Rebbe said, it's not called of, it's called Menachem of. Why? Because it's an Achama. We are preparing now, this month, preparing for the Geula. So much so that the Rebbe says that even, and everyone knows that, you know, how Chabad views of, that we bring Simcha into of. We take the Simcha and we make of a Simcha Dika month. Why? Because we are so confident that Mashiach will be here already. And that we make siyumim, that every night, one of the nine days, the Rebbe said, bring it with simcha, make a siyum, make an opportunity. Why? Because the Rebbe was all about such positivity, such surety, such clarity, that we are going to get out of this scholars. And through each one of us becoming a primi and making our place, wherever we are now, wherever part of the world we're living now, machta eretz Yisrael, and teach everyone around you, so that they can make their place, their purpose, their tafkit. And through that, we will usher in the coming Mashiach.
From here, we mean you now, Mamish. Thank you for listening. Now go inspire others to help propel our world to its ultimate purpose and perfection with the complete and final Geula.